Good Tuesday morning, everybody. You're watching Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. I'm your host, co-host, Eric Bjorndorf. Along with me, I have my co-host, Brian Williams. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's going pretty well. How about you? Uh, I'm trapped in a series of self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Business that's personal what... or what? Huh? Business personal or all oh, the above? Well, yeah, a little bit of everything, but... Um, no, we'll we'll I'll, we'll get into it. Um, but uh, let me do the let me just bring us in. So we're yeah. episode we're episode twenty. Congratulations! Yay! If I had a Woo. whole soundboard, I'd, we would do cue the applause and the yeah. and the confetti. We're episode episode twenty. Uh, this is a uh, podcast talk show. Brian and I do talking about finance and technology as it suits us and entertains us. We have, uh, it starts with YouTube. We don't have a personalized link yet. So um, follow that in the description. Uh, Brian cuts the audio and uploads it to Anchor, which Anchor. syndicates that to your favorite podcast. And we do have a Facebook page that we uh, contribute to some of the community. And we will soon be doing a website. And uh, I think we even registered uh, the common social channels. Oh, yeah. So, we're starting to take this little project seriously. It's starting to feel feel pretty good. What do you think? It feels pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I always think of, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. That's probably come out a couple times on the episodes. But uh, one of the interviews I saw with them is they said, well, we just we just kind of started making the show for us. And we thought it was funny and we'd enjoy it. And we thought it would go a couple of years and then it kind of took off. And so I always kind of think about that with projects like these, you know, we're just kind of doing it for ourselves. And when the audience catches on, they'll catch on. But um, as long as we enjoy doing it, I guess that's all that matters, right? Totally. I could not have hoped that, the, no, I could only have hoped that this would have, would have become what it is. Um, when I, when, when I first thought of this, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Unscripted, um, meet with a friend, uh, you know, on some recurrence and just free ball it, you know, just mm -hmm. talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, and, uh, <laughs> still, I can't believe like you were like, I didn't know you from Adam. I saw your one of your videos you put out, um, and I said, you know, and I just came off a failed relationship uh, in a, in the pre, in the podcast previous podcast uh, you know version of the show, mm -hmm. um, and it's actually funny. Um, Ellie in space, if you find her YouTube channel, I reached out to her and we did a couple episodes, and um, just as I we did a couple episodes, her YouTube channel started taking off, and in fact, this week she just uh, sent out. Uh, on social that she just quit her job. So wow. she, she's a full-time YouTuber. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel, I'm, you know, I feel bad that, you know, we, we didn't, uh, what's the saying when, when one opportunity closes, when one door closes, another one opens. So, yeah, um, that's especially true here. Cause I've got all the windows open in the house. So it's, it plays games with all the doors and all day there's random doors slamming shut and, and opening. So that certainly holds true here. But yeah, actually, I followed her channel early on when we started talking. So her stuff pops up. So. Oh, yeah. OK. Um, yeah, it's funny. I see her see her stuff. So, um, yeah. Nope. Uh, so we we normally start off talking about uh, 
just what's happening, I guess, in our in our personal lives or so. And then uh, as we get into what's happening in our respective businesses, we have some some fun little videos, which uh, Eric hasn't seen yet. They're designed to be semi-ironic and total cheese. So we'll have some fun with them and get uh, Eric's first reaction to those. But uh, so the idea so, is we're going to create we're going to try to maybe make some segments to the mm -hmm. show, right? Yeah. And yeah. And then eventually we'll maybe be able to slice those up and put them out on our respective channels and drip them out during the week. So, you know, mm. if we go do the full show on Tuesday and then maybe I take a certain segment, drop it on Thursday, maybe you do one, drop it on Friday. And um, I don't know, just something maybe over the weekend and then we're back at it again. So can't, can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see him. So what's yeah. going on uh, personally what, last week? Uh, so last week, well, over the weekend, we, uh, we went up to my mother's house. So she's, uh, she's right on the Southern Adirondack. So it takes us about three hours to get there. So luckily my wife was able to take a half day on Friday, which makes a big difference. You know, if we can, if we can, you know, leave here by one, we get up there for a little bit after, you know, then you feel like you can actually do something in the evening. Whereas, you know, she's a teacher. So, you know, if she gets out around three, three thirty, then you get up there, you know, six you're kind of, kind of shot by then. So, um, so it's nice to be able to, to kind of do a half day and get up there, but, um, yeah, then just doing some projects around my mother's house. She turned 80 this year and she's still in the house that, uh, uh, I was born in. So, so she's got a lot of work to do there. She's, so, she's uh, an octogenarian. She is, she is. Yeah. She's That's an octogen cool. octogenarian. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much our weekend. And my son did, uh, you know, obviously through, through COVID and stuff, he, he just turned four. He hasn't had a lot of like out of the house time. So he did, did do one sleepover at my mother's, uh, probably maybe around the holiday time. And then he's, he stayed over Friday and Saturday over the weekend. So that was kind of a big deal. So we're starting to get him out and actually we have a wedding to go to this weekend. So he's going to do another sleepover at a friend, a friend of mine. So, uh, um, these are big, yeah. this is a big milestone for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Yeah. It's, uh, my wife did pretty well with it because she's, you know, a little bit more concerned. And for me, it was, you know, my mother and the house that I grew up in. So that's, I have a different level of comfort than, than she probably does, but, um, you know, so, but it's good, you know, they kept an eye, keep an eye on each other. You know, we tell Luke, he's got to babysit my, my grandma, my mother, his grandma, and it all works out. So, so that was, uh, that was our weekend. Cool. Uh, for me, um, I, uh, so we joined when we moved here to West Hartford, we, there's, a there's a, um, I don't know how to describe it. I guess it's like a nature park, uh, pond, uh, whatever it's called winding trails. And when we moved to town, everybody's, everybody just talked about winding trails. It's where everybody was over the summers and then the weekends and things. So, uh, every, you know, everybody's like, you gotta check out winding trails. So we, we checked it out online. Um, it looks like a pretty exclusive nature club, I guess, with a swimming pond and basketball courts and things like that. So we put our name in uh, blind without even seeing the facility. And it was a five year wait wow. to, to get in. So we got our welcome letter in January. And then we did um, drive through the facility in fe February, March, when it was still cold and wintry. And it's pretty nice. It's really mm -hmm. nice. And I think, and it's fairly affordable. It's like, uh, I want to say less than $700 a month, uh, sorry, $700 a year. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the summer, you know, we're in Hartford, Connecticut area. So the summer, the not summer, the weekend was in the nineties. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So we um, we took the girls to winding trails and um, did the whole kind of beach lake thing. It was awesome. Just perfect. We're going to have so much fun. And I, I kept making the joke like it really saved me a hundred grand because um, we have a really big backyard and I've cleared over the last five years or six years, I've been clearing it and, and planting grass. So it's really a blank canvas <laughs> and it really looks like it should receive a, a nice in-ground pool. <laughs> and my wife really does not want one. Uh, so anyways, this winding trails thing just saved, saved me about a hundred grand, I think. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's really we, good. Yeah, that's what we did this weekend. Yeah, and they have a lot of activities and stuff through the through the winter too. I know they have a lot of cross country skiing and stuff, so it's not just a summer facility. So uh, that's pretty good. We had a little uh, what I call an air conditioning check this weekend. We went from seventies to nineties for a couple of days, and then back down to seventies. So just that little test to make sure everything's working right. Yeah, and actually, I turned it on. We had a hot day. I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago, three, four mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I turned ours on, which is new, uh, one year, one year old, new, okay. and um, it wasn't working. So I had to mm-hmm. call for services. Sounded like the guy just—he even literally said, "Yeah, just something was stuck." I just tapped it with the wrench, and and it opened <laughs> the valve right up. I was, I was like, "This is a brand, brand new central air system." He's like, "Yeah, it's under plenty of warranty, so if it fails, we'll replace it. If it's gonna <laughs> fail, we'll replace it." Yeah, knocking the cobwebs out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was our weekends personally. How about professionally? Mm-hmm. How you, how was your last? Well, uh, let's week? start with you and let's find out what's happening in your world. <laughs> that is so funny. So did you make one for each of us? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll have to, uh, I'll have, then I'll cue you when, when I'm, when I'm done. Yeah. Um, so what's happening? So you ever, you ever, um, you ever go through the hiring process for an employee and then just find your way down a 10 hour rat hole of mm. designing and building a corporate signature? No, nobody has. No, no. So <laughs> there's a lot of meat on this bone. So I'll try to be quick i you know we corp microsoft does not have a real nice mechanism to or when i say microsoft microsoft exchange if you're an exchange you know back in the day if you had an exchange server in your office or when you uh, an exchange server in the cloud or now everybody's on microsoft 365 formerly Mm -hmm. office 365 you know having microsoft host your exchange in, in that ecosystem Either way, across their entire product line, there is no corporate email man, uh, email signature manager. And in fact, we've had clients ask on this, and we we had a big law firm in Cheshire ask um, ask about this and hire us to try to find some solution. But there just hasn't been in the past a really nice corporate email signature manager. I mean, it seems so simple and fundamental. You would think that that there would be some central global admin panel where you can configure because you know everybody you know the system knows your first name last name your department your phone mm-hmm. it has all that basic information so you would think that they would have a kind of a ui or a user interface where an administrator can go in and build a, a corporate email signature they don't they, it's 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 really kind of pathetic so you have to go to the secondary market or independent software vendors and um I've looked at them over the years and they just looked a little hokey to say the least. Um, but we, 
while I was working on onboarding a new employee or a new resource, uh, he's actually a subcontractor, but a new resource for the company. I just, I don't know if it was an ad or if it was just an, if I just willed myself to look into it, but I just started looking at corporate emails, signature managers, and um, just kind of start pulling on this thread. So that was about, that was about four o'clock yesterday afternoon. And I worked until midnight on it. And then I worked, I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. And then I worked on it all morning with my team. And it's just not, it's just a, it's one of those things. It's developmental for the for the company. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a bit of research and testing and qualifying. Is it going to meet our needs? What are, what are our needs? That sort of thing. So while, while dealing with some HR stuff, I'm dealing with this operational stuff. And then it's like, I just sometimes feel like, how do I, how do I, how do I find myself in these moments? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's been my life. And then I just try to quantify it that I'm like, okay, well, let me just put this in perspective. I I'm wearing hats here. I'm wearing the CEO Mm -hmm. hat, the COO hat, the chief marketing or uh, sales executive hat. So I'm wearing all these hats and I have all of these initiatives that I'm trying to do. And we are kind of getting to them, but some, it's one of those, today's one of those days. It's actually been one of those weeks where I'm like, man, like, uh, I feel like, um, I feel like Link in the Legend of Zelda, where it's like you can see the castle. I don't know. Did I say that? Use this metaphor already? Like you could see the I don't castle. Think so. But but like my whole life is like, oh well, you got to go get your your sword, and then mm-hmm. you're like, that's a side quest that takes you half a day. And then you're like, well, that, oh, now I got to get a shield. You can't enter the thing. You got to get. It. So then you go in another half a day to get your shield, and then you you know what I mean. It's like I feel mm-hmm. like my life is full of side quests when I just want to go to the castle. <laughs> Right, right. It's like when you're doing a road trip and you're in a city you don't know and you can see where you want to go, like you're going to a ballpark or something. And you're like, it's right there, but I just I can't get there. Where's you the know? Yeah. Like, hmm. well, yeah. That's, yeah, that's an interesting pro- project. And it's weird. Microsoft doesn't have a solution for that. But. It's pretty frustrating, actually, because it's it's not an uncommon request. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost like uh, you would think that it's there. But Anyways, I think I found a product that might work. But the other challenge, too, is our we send email out, believe it or not, from multiple platforms. Well, you will believe it from multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. So not only do we send email out from from our Outlook and our email clients, we send email out from our ticketing management, uh, ma- uh, ticketing software from our marketing software. Um, I feel like there's a third one or oh, our um, our billing platform. Uh, so we're sending emails out representing us uh, from four different platforms right so trying to build an email signature and then adapt it or adopt it across mm-hmm. these platforms ha- all have their own unique challenges and the first you know you build it in html thinking that you can just copy and paste it across all the platforms mm-hmm. but it's not always that simple yeah yeah we've had that similar issue here you know there's certain disclosures and stuff you'd like to just have automatically put at the bottom of of every email but again we have a billing system you know for subscription-based clients and kind of one-off stuff and sometimes we send emails through the crm and sometimes it's replying so it's uh you know i would think financial firms legal firms at a bare minimum even if it wasn't a a signature per se just a that disclosure language just to make sure it goes at the bottom of every email you know would be important right so we're trying, you know, we try, we, 
to aid in our management of all these systems, uh, we use a knowledge, an internal knowledge base software. Um, mm -hmm. So we literally have a document that says this is how you manage the company's signature, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it helps re remind that process every time. So, yeah, that was my that's my excitement. Let me see. Do I do this now? What's new? Oh, that's good. That's fun. I like that. What's happening in my business? Um, yeah, continuation of, of a lot of the same stuff. It's, uh, you know, a little bit of marketing around the uh, the state mandate that that's coming out. And um, there just seems to be a wave of information and sometimes misinformation. So the state is putting out a lot of calls on on that. They're doing a lot of webinars, Better Better Business Bureau and AARP. They're putting a lot of stuff together on that. And then I guess the the budget passed for the state and there was just a, a couple paragraphs in there that really changed the phrasing of the state's program. They went from, I'll probably screw this up, but they went from having a, a governing authority board to a governing advisory board. Hmm. And uh, from what I understand in the government, that's that's a big difference. So um so there's some some questions as to who's who's actually going to be running this program and the future of this program. Meanwhile, they've done kind of this soft rollout. So they're starting to accept some businesses into it and and all that kind of stuff. So uh, just answering questions around that and some misinformation. I get uh, business owners calling me saying I got to do this right now because of the mandate. And it's like, well, you should do it now, but you're, but it's not a requirement for businesses of your size size yet. So um and I think I messaged you during the week, you know, imagine if the state rolled out mandatory cybersecurity training for all employees, came out with their own version of the program, which was average at best, and then made all the employees pay for it. Like what a crazy scenario that would be. But that's essentially what they've done here with this program. So, um, you know, the state program, not going to beat up on it too much, but it's, you know, it's just a standard IRA type of payroll deduction program. So. Um, so that's been a hot topic yesterday. And it was funny. I visited a client yesterday to enroll a new employee that she just hired. And she was almost like more excited about it than I was. She's like, well, this is going to be huge for your business because every, everybody's going to have to have a 401k and they're not going to want to be in the state program. It's like, so what are you doing? Are you just driving around? Are you going door to door? You got to have something that people can sign up on. The Like she was like going nuts about it because she's been a long time. Do you have like a big shovel to just scoop all that business in, into? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, so she's in like a little strip mall type type plaza thing. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I mean, the, the deli over here and the the kickboxing gym over here and like all these businesses are going to have to have a program. I'm like, yeah, I know. So the problem is most of them are going to wait until the last minute. And most of, of them are, um, and the, the way the state's marketing it is they say it's, it's free to businesses, but it just means the employees pay the fees, which is kind of a w weird way to market it, I guess, in a way, because the business owner is going to be buying it, but not paying for it. So it's sort of a weird, uh, weird sort of scenario there, which I think will help them get traction, but, um, but it may not necessarily be the right way to do it or where people in the industry would do it. But um, so that's been a hot topic. And we always talk about our uh, software reviews and and things like that. So I did another one this week that was that's good. That's getting there. That's better. It's it's funny. She's like, you know, you reviewed this like two years ago. I'm like, yeah, but your software is totally different now. You know, it's, wow, really? Uh, yeah. And the, so actually two pieces. One was more of a prospecting and one was sort of a. CRM and they're kind of getting to that point where it's all one 
Um, and again, I asked them, well, can you, can you bill out of this and they can bill a certain way, but not the other way. So I'd still have to have this other piece of software that I use. I feel like they're getting a little bit closer, but they're just, they're, they're not all there yet where you could have that one piece that's CRM prospecting and billing, and then also maybe some portfolio management or whatever, but they're getting there. Um, and I did this trial for this prospecting software and they gave me a trial, but it's more, uh, very data, data centric. And they're, you know, well, they want to protect their data for obvious reasons. Uh, so they gave me a, a free trial, but I have access to Alaskan 401k data, which is kind of funny. So, so I can play around and, and run queries on the 1517 401k plans in Alaska. So, um, if I want to move there, prospect there, I'm all set, but, uh, right. Yeah. So it's those constant battles. Um, and it's interesting. I'm part of this group of, of advisors that is on Facebook. And one of the things they always complain about is they get these calls from vendors and how do they, and then as you'll see the same people two weeks later, Hey, does anybody know a software that does this? Or I'm trying to do this with the software I, I always have. So I look at those calls and those research, not, not as much for me as for the client. You kind of owe it to your clients to run your business as efficiently as possible, because if you're, spending time on tasks that aren't client focused, you're, you're, you're pulling away from your service. So I sort of, uh, even on my, my calendar, I have Friday afternoons blocked out. And I, if somebody calls me during the week and they want to pitch a software or something, I'll say, go on my calendar, here's a specific link and they can book that time on a Friday afternoon. So, um, which during the summer is a little bit lighter. So that's always the way I kind of look at it. I, I like learning about the different software and stuff that's out there anyway. But the other factor is, you know, I owe it to my clients to be efficient. So um, I try to take and make those calls when I can. Yeah. I mean, business development, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. it. You, you got to. I was talking to my uh, business manager, office manager uh, yesterday about this. Like you have to. We at least we we build in almost 10 percent of process administration in all of our work or like work administration mm -hmm. you know because everything we do is we we've, we've codified nearly everything that we do in the business and it all sits in front of a checklist so we use a ticketing system to do internal tasks and client related tasks and whenever whenever the task can be codified if it's a recurring task or whatever we've codified that in a process and the, and the system lets us put that in a checklist so you just go through the checklist, boom, 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 boom. I mean, running a service business is the hardest type of business to run with a high degree of accuracy and quality. And the only way that you can do that is, in my opinion, and do it well is with codified processes. But you have to build in. So like we, we're a service delivery to, uh, company, right? So we provide our service and that is what, what we're doing for our clients. But you have to you have to build in 10% time to document your work product. So there's admin time and that's not a, that's not a new concept, but you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. You got to record your time entry and that's what the staff have to do and things. But then you really have to have like another five to 10% of your time in the process review. So while you're working and using a process, you actually have to be auditing the process. Mm -hmm. And it's such a culture thing. It's hard to get yourself into it. I do it almost obsessively now. Um, my, my employees benefit from the, the work that I do in that regard. And I keep asking them to partner with me in working with the, to audit the process that they're using. 
when mm-hmm. I see them check a checklist that is no longer relevant, uh, you know, a hundred times and I come up on, I'm like, why are you guys, why didn't you just tell me that this <laughs> item is no longer relevant? Yeah. So, um, but that's the COO hat and uh-huh. you know, the, the, the eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours or 15 hour work days, you know, uh, there's only so much time in the day to divvy up all of these roles. I mean, it's, you know, you and I talk a lot about the, uh, CRM software, for example, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was telling you last week or I was suggesting last week, you know, have you, have you thought about more division to your outbound communications? Like, do you, mm-hmm. did you come up with, uh, out, you know, cl- current clients at least and pro- uh, leads or prospects? Yeah, that's, that's always been, that's always been a second separate section. So we talked about a couple of different things. So I'll send current clients, one thing, prospects, another, um, and then I have a different group of professional groups. So folks in the payroll industry, folks uh, accounting. So those are those are a couple different groups that I work with. Where I don't have it segmented is the different, the, that next level, like the different types of emails a client might might receive. And I'm not I'm still not sure if I'll go there yet. But um, the idea being if they unsubscribed from let me unsubscribe from market updates, but I still want to be subscribed to personal finance tips or something like that. Um, right. I tip, haven't gone there yet. Product updates. Yeah. And and my thought process has always been, well, let me let me think of it like the funnel. If they just read the first thing on the email, that's fine. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take any more time to, you know, I'd rather make the email longer so that they're not missing out on something. And if they don't read it, that's fine. Um, so I don't want to get segmented too much and, and have somebody miss out on something. So it's just kind of like, send all my clients, everything they might be interested in. And if they don't read it, they don't read it, but it, just make the most important stuff at the top. Um, so yeah, that's an ongoing process and, and we'll see where that goes, but, uh, mm. certain, uh, Certain clients, one thing I do have to do is ones that are a little bit more local as we ramp up our, you know, in-person meetings, you know, I want to make sure that they're getting that. Whereas somebody in, in Maryland, I'm not going to invite them to something at the Southington holiday and, you know, right. that kind of stuff. So, right. um, so that's that next level of segmentation It's probably geographical. Yeah. That's one of my projects. I got a, I got a, I did a lot of work on creating my segment, my segments, because I never wanted my current customers to get non marketing content for non customers. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot, a lot of projects out there. A lot of projects, right? Yep. It's good. Yeah. Ideas are easy, right? But the time and the execution are the execution. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, before we get any, uh, go any further, if you are still watching, give us a thumbs up on this video and uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. Let us know what you think of our new transitions into what's happening in our respective businesses. After every, after every recording I sit and, and I see, uh, you know, later in the night or something, the, the video posts to YouTube and I'm like, damn, I forgot to ask for a uh, subscribe and a like. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Subscribe we'll and have like. to add that into our, uh, couple of weeks ago, we added that lower third that kind of scrolls through. So maybe we'll put a, a third section on there. Yeah. Um, it kind of flips through to remind people to hit that thumbs up and comment and all that good stuff. So what do you say? You want to take it to the news? Yeah, let's do it. That's you so love funny. it. I do love it. I love it. So uh, just 
just to remind everybody, we do have, let's see, um, this is our YouTube channel up on the screen. Uh, we don't have, we need, what do we need? A thousand followers, I think, before we can get a custom URL. So well, I think it's a hundred actually. Oh, yeah. that's it. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So, um, give us a subscribe here, the, uh, the videos and what Brian and I do is we have a YouTube. Nope. That's my, sorry. That's my company page. There it is right there. Here's Finance and Technology Insights Facebook page. And Brian, you've been a posting monster. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm falling behind a little bit. Yeah, I post a lot to the group. Well, I've had my own individual group for a while, so I'm kind of in that rhythm of um, you know, certain things get shared pretty quickly, which is which is nice. Um, I got a new phone a couple couple months ago and it, and it seems like the sharing is a little bit different across different platforms. So you can click to share to Facebook and then that from there, it'll actually say to your page or to a group and then you select the group. So I'm a pretty avid sharer of stuff to the respective groups. Nice. That, that's good. Um, I was just seeing real quick if I could view this in a little more, um, in a little more kind of productive, and a little more uh, in a format that was a little more presentable in a public <laughs> venue. I don't know if I'm, you guys are all seeing. Yeah, I do. Um, friends of mine or not? This is the this is the group. What I do is I just hide the the side panel and then I bump it up to like 150 percent or something. So. so you're in the group. That's I, that I was. Oh yeah, you're on the page. Yeah, yeah, I was on the page, and I'm not seeing. Yeah, I, I guess they don't let you hide the sidebar on this, huh? And here's the group. All right. So the group, I guess, is more presentable. Yeah. See oh, that so one, you can hide the sidebar. Yeah. Okay. So that maybe that's one use case for that. But I do, we do want to promote the page. So yeah, definitely, definitely follow the page. But um, here's the page. Um, and I haven't been, you know what? I haven't been posting the, the news in the group. So I guess maybe I'll do that. Um, so, anyways. That's where, so what Brian and I do, we used to use Flipboard. We're not using Flipboard anymore to pin news articles we find interesting. Instead, mm -hmm. we're pinning them to our Facebook group. So that is what I was trying to utter to you all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And like an idiot, I just noticed on the sidebar probably a few weeks ago that groups are square and pages are a circle. I don't know if you ever noticed that. You probably I did, did not. I did not notice that. Yeah. I'm so sure. if you're on your, on your main, uh, Facebook page. Oh, look at that. A subtle, yeah. a subtle cue. What's this promote web page website do? Uh, to buy ads. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Okay. But uh, All right. yeah, when you're, when you're on your main Facebook page, it has the shortcuts on the side and groups are in, uh, groups are square ish and, uh, regular ones are pages around. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. Yeah. So is there anything in the, and the news you want to talk about, we, uh, some, some of the stuff was productive. Some of it's just kind of funny. We had the, uh, the Vatican is doing NFTs. Did you see I that? Saw, I did see that. Uh, I don't see the article, but if you have it, pull it. Um, yeah, that was in, in the group here. That's, uh, let's see. I thought the group post would boil to the top. Where'd we go? 
That's not the page. Oh, the Rivian know. Ford offloads 188 million in Rivian revenue Rivian shares. I thought that was interesting. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Um, Let me play. Yeah, do you have the do you have the uh, Vatican article? Yeah. Little dead air people. You, you're seeing how the sausage is made. It's fine. No, this is good. We're keeping it going here. Um, yeah, prepares gallery in the metaverse with NFTs. So this is uh, this is kind of that art model of, you know, we're going to create NFTs, but we're also going to hang them on the on the wall in a uh, virtual setting. So uh, everybody's getting in the game. I don't know if this is a sign that it's the the top or the bubble, but uh, kind of interesting that the uh, Vatican would get involved in that. They yeah. So does the Vatican have an art gallery, I guess, that I should know about the Vatican Museum, 800 pieces by 250 artists um, per that article there. So yeah. is there what's the most famous piece they have? You have any idea? Like what's what would everybody know? I don't know. I mean, right got there, maybe some Picasso, some Dolly, yeah. Michelangelo collection yeah picasso chagall michelangelo okay so again i guess my understanding of the way the nft nft was you don't necessarily own or you can own the exclusive rights to it but in some cases they license they multi-license it right like using the base card the baseball cards that you talked about yeah um, how does that work it's not an exclusive ownership right it, or it is they can or they can limit the yeah licensing. they can limit limit the licensing so i think with the baseball cards what they do is they might have like a gold silver bronze type type version and maybe the the gold is the most exclusive and maybe there's 200 copies of those and then it kind of goes yeah so they're programmatically <clears throat> i guess putting that the limited quantity right yeah and the exhibition is going to be part of the sensorium galaxy which i'm not too familiar with i guess it's in a beta version according to the article but maybe that'll have to be something we'll look at another time but hmm. so the vatican is going into nfts i guess i'm i'm not surprised i guess maybe i'm surprised i don't even know anymore like i i i feel like we're entering this generation where the kid, the, the, the young people, you know, I talk about adults now younger than me as the young people, mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm approaching 40 and, you know, there's 20 years of adults underneath me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I know. Um, and I feel like, I don't know what they know anymore. And I don't know, you know, people have such a different relationship with technology than I came up when I, when I came up in technology, you know, I was, we were. You know, every kid had Nintendo, so there was that. But the kids who made Nintendo their life and career, those became the IT guys and the programmers and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, their programming can be codeless now. You know what I mean? And sure. and technology, the technology natives born with a cell phone in the hand, you know what I mean? Um, they could know more about some of these technologies. Like the kids use Snapchat, and I don't know what Snapchat is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Um, nfts i feel like are like that you know i i feel like i should be i should know first but some and but i feel like i don't know first i mean i'm coming around to it you know what i mean but um i don't know what do you think it is kind of a weird space because the at least with the nfts i mean those are 
I guess most scenarios, the popular ones at least are pretty expensive. And so you need a mechanism to, to be able to purchase those. So it's probably not, you know, your, your 13 year old who might've been obsessed with Nintendo or PlayStation is probably not too far into the NFT game. Although I could be wrong, but, um, baseball cards, I mean, yeah, maybe if they're, if they're in that, but they still need to, um, still need to do a wallet and they still need to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, all right. Switching gears off NFTs. I have an article I pinned here. This, this is something that (laughs) this is another, uh, ageism that I'm going through, get off my lawn type thing. My wife teases me about, you know, when I, when I was a kid, and when I say kid, I, teenager young adult maybe you know i i ran with my hair on fire and i i don't know how i made it this this far but um now i i I, my wife and daughter tease me for being a slow driver Mm. right that's that's where i'm at in life right now and um you know as we talked about the car manufacturers are coming up with um, self-driving technology and tesla is the is the one who often grabs the headlines and tesla has they are beta testing their self-driving technology with their their uh, consumer, uh, mm-hmm. which is controversial. And so this headline here says Tesla Vision, which is the, the underlying technology that lets the car see with the Tesla Autopilot software. Um, Tesla is ma- increasing the maximum speed up to 85 miles per hour. And mm. I just tweeted uh, Elon, to Elon this week or last week, I think when I saw this. And, um, you know, I, I these, I, I guess in short, cars sh- can technically be made not to, to, they can technologically be limited to preventing them from speeding. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. when I see that your uh, autopilot software you are raising to 85 miles an hour. I don't know. Like it's, it seems very, um, I take issue with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting, the whole speed thing is, I mean, we could have a whole show on that, but the idea that you're, you know, you've got kids in the car and you're, you know, you are breaking the law if you go over it, you know, and you're kind of teaching them, which laws it's acceptable to, to break and not break. And it's completely you know, systemic. It's, yeah. It's just a, you know, and, and in some scenarios, it's a safety issue. You know, if you're driving the speed limit on a lot of highways, it's unsafe. you got to go with the flow. you got to be part of the deal. Right. Um, but it is sort of weird, you know, when you take it to the extremes, when you're like, all right, I don't, I don't know what the maximum speed limit in the country is. I don't know if it's 75 or, um, or wherever in some of the Western States, but, why would why would anybody need a car that has a speedometer that goes to 140 or 150 or you know it, it, it does seem kind of weird that 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 is built in um i mean i remember in, in high school we had a uh, one of my friends had a car that was a that was a state-issued car it was you know kind of like a fleet vehicle it was a sold uh, i don't know reliant or something like that but it had a governor in it where you couldn't go above 55 that's that's just uh that's just the way it was. So uh, his parents kind of liked it because it prevented him from, you know, you know, doing that. So um, it is very weird, the whole car and the speeding thing that they allow cars to be to, to break the law in that extent. And we treat that we treat speed limits different than we, you know, treat every other law, you know. So 
interesting I'm, conversation. I mean, I've read material from the own the, the actual Department of Transportation that says that they they anticipate people speeding. It's like it's built mm-hmm. into the policy, right. mm-hmm. you know. And it's um, I know that it's socially unpopular for all of the free. I'm a freedom fighter too in a lot of ways. Like I hold a lot of libertarian values in a lot of ways. But one of the values that I hold as a libertarian is trying to be as principled as possible. So mm-hmm. if the principle of the law is to it is illegal to speed, then it seems very like a very short lift to say to auto manufacturers, like, of course, you cannot make your car speed and certainly, certainly not speed in excess of the highest available speed limit. Like you could set in the country uh, a lawful highest available speed limit. And then certainly the it would be reasonable to say to the car manufacturers, like, of course, you can't make them go 100 miles an hour. I would even uh, I would even be agreeable to like even if there was an off road mode or a track mode that mm-hmm. the consumer can willfully turn on. Um, but again, now these the, the the these cars all have computers and smarts on them that they mm-hmm. know what road they're on. You you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And within reason, yeah. and, and you can imagine like if programming that you can have like a like even like a low bar to default open. Like even if the there was like the card couldn't reasonably detect what what road is it fine just like default off, but like if you just could capture that low hanging fruit where the car definitely knew what road it was on and definitely knew what the speed limit was, then it's it seems like a low uh, bridge not too far to just have the policymakers and the regulations and the manufacturers just be like yeah of course you can't make it you know. Every time we get on the highway, and this is where I'm like, this is my age, like get off my lawn as comes in, right? It's <laughs> is um like I don't speed on the speed um uh, on the roads. I don't speed mm-hmm. on the highway. I if the speed limit is 65 miles an hour, I do 65. One reason technically that makes that easy is because I get a, I get in the right lane, set the speed limit, and then I don't have to like manage the car as actively like i i just like a nice easier ride these days i don't need Mm -hmm. to like actively drive i like to passively drive you know i'm an i'm a defensive driver but i this whole like you know you know you're getting to where you're going with like in a slight sweat you know what i mean or you feel like you've just worked out a little bit like that's because you're actively driving not passively driving you know right um so when you do the speed limit and you set the cruise control, like you're just not managing that and everybody's just passing you on the left. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, it's so weird because I am a, I am a freedom fighter in so many ways, but I just feel like it's so unprincipled for us as a people to just yeah. have, have this simple issue. And every time you see somebody rolled over or like wrecked, it's just, de- I mean, yeah. I don't know what the stat is, but it's speed related. In so many sure. cases. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you ever look at those numbers, it does grow every five miles per hour over 55. The, the, it does grow exponentially, the number of, of incidents. But I think the other thing that factors in, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, just driving is a nicer experience than, than it used to be. You were driving before to, you know, kind of get where you're going. But uh, now it's like, we joke around with my wife. It's like the most comfortable seats in the house are probably in our Volvo, you know, the, the, <laughs> the best acoustic experience is probably, you know, in our Volvo, we, we coming back from my mother's this weekend, we discovered an, a new podcast, um, 
which is probably my second favorite one behind this one, but it was called, uh, I think it's called Business Wars or something. And they, so this one was actually, it was kind of funny. They were talking about the, the war, as I make the air quotes here for the video folks, the war between uh, Lifetime Channel and Hallmark Channel for the Christmas movie domination thing. And it was like a five part series or something, but it was That's pretty funny. funny. But, but it's like, you know, we're, we're in the car where, you know, my son's asleep We're we're comfortable. We've got a good experience. Like what really is the hurry to, to get home? What's going to be that much different when we're at home, you know? So I think that factors in too. And, and of course, as you get into the self-driving experience, if people are doing other things, I mean, do you really care? Like if you're sitting in your car, in the backseat of your car on your laptop, What's your hurry to get to the office and sit on your laptop? That, you know? So that's a big factor too. So I think maybe people will be more tolerant of going slower speeds, knowing that it's safer. And just early on, I think as people are in the self-driving thing, I feel more comfortable with a self-driving vehicle going 55 or 65 than I would 85 until I get used to it. Um, so yeah i mean a self-driving car who drives like me or you or me uh you know speed limit no faster um unemotional and un with with no ambition to, mm -hmm. uh, to accept to just otherwise stay in the lane and not hit anybody or you know what i mean um yeah i mean you just proved my point like the car will become become one of the most comfortable experiences when when the robots take over this, which is mm -hmm. one of the reasons why i can't wait um it just we're we're in this ten, I know we're in this ten year um, uh, innovation cycle or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, where um, in fifteen years they're gonna. I know when the girls are young adults and my kids, they're gonna be like, "Man, I can't believe you guys ever had to pump gas," oh, and or or I can't believe you had to like drive the car. You had to drive the car, and then mm -hmm. their kids. I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced that their kids are gonna say like man, I can't believe you guys used to own your own cars. It's going to be like, mm. it's going to be like, you're going to say flying cars. I can't believe or, you guys used to be limited to driving on the well, ground. Well, there's definitely going to be that. But like the concept of owning a car in 20 years is going to be like the concept of owning your own um, locomotive and caboose or and or caboose, mm. like owning your own train car. You know what I mean? It's public, it's public infrastructure. You know what I mean? So, so people are going to be like in 20 and beyond, they're going to be like, I can't believe people used to own their own cars mm. um, for all the practical reasons, you know, and as sure. that I've, I've gotten into so many times, but then there's the safety component. So anyways, a big, a big rant about um, Tesla, you know, Elon's a freedom fighter. He's a, he's a libertarian, you know, and stuff like that. So I know the 20 year old version of myself would hate me right now. I would be screaming at the screen, like, how dare you take away our freedom of the road and to speed and stuff. And I get it. I get it all. I really do get it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if you want to if you want to drive recklessly, go to a track with your car, turn on track mode and, you know, have at it, you know. Um, but there's public infrastructure consideration where we just want to go to where we're going and survive it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. is, um, it's just kind of. Or maybe even better than the speed track. Maybe the experience is so good and you're with your, uh, with your metaverse goggles on. Maybe you don't even need the physical experience of going to the track and, and blowing out a bunch right. of tires, you know?
that's true yeah you can yeah you you can alternatively not even have to to do that so um i don't know i thought this i i gotta we, we gotta wrap this up um but i just thought this one last article with, with uh rivian i know we're on a big car and and um eft e, uh, eft track but yeah you know for, yeah. ford invested a lot of money um i, I think it was like four billion dollars in the rivian electric car startup and uh, I was surprised to see that they divested 188 to, uh, million um, to take a loss or something. And um, Rivian's IPO popped, and then and then it popped up, and then it popped flat, um, and is is suffering um, from a low. So I don't know. I was a little surprised because I feel like in a lot of ways, Jim Farley, this new CEO of Ford, is working, doing a lot of cool things and new things that make make it a new company but the folding down gear shifter in the new lightning and selling 188 to a million in shares uh, for a loss in rivian just felt uh felt like the opposite of what you're supposed to do yeah it does yeah and maybe he sees something coming that uh that the rest of us don't see i mean the cost of of materials for for ev stuff and the batteries has started to become as big an issue almost as is the gas um so i don't know maybe he's looking at those forecasts and stuff that we don't necessarily have access to um possibly but that yeah. might be insider trading too no yeah they yeah gotta, i guess they, they gotta schedule these they gotta schedule that sale don't they they do yep Still, I guess it, it they're you know you're still allowed to make your investment choices based on the information you have, I guess. Yeah. yeah so I, the, uh, I know we're getting up to uh, sort of 49 minutes. Try to keep it under an hour so we can push it out. But uh, yeah, and the other interesting story was on uh, was on uh, Tesla being kicked out of the of the ESG, which is the Environmental Social Council, and. Uh, governance but we can get into that next week i think that'll be an interesting topic something i'd like to go into a little bit more but we can cover that next time around yeah okay yeah i did find i did find that interesting too yeah and um yeah he's he's sort of railed against esg in the past so not that yeah. this was a retaliatory retaliatory measure but uh interesting to follow so all right i'll let you talk about your business and we'll wrap it up Oh yeah, so uh, bringing us out. So let me bring up my whoops. Let me bring up my web page here. So uh, I am Evern uh, Eric Bjornorf, the CEO and uh, lead consultant for Evernet Consulting. We're an IT company that supports businesses across the country. Um, we have some key verticals in legal, healthcare, accounting, manufacturing, um, and uh, yeah, if you. Uh, run or own a business that you need uh, some IT support and consulting with, uh, give me a call go or go to evernetco.com and schedule a uh, discovery call with me personally. I'd like to hear about what you need. All right. And Evernet TV is your YouTube channel where you're reviewing a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Channel 401k and beyond. That's the name of our Facebook group. Uh, so pushing out some content there as well. My name of the company is Northshire Consulting, which is an independent investment advisory firm. So we work mostly with small businesses, about 70% with small businesses, 30% with uh, individuals and families on uh, creating better better retirement plans for themselves and their employees. What do you say? We'll do this again next week? Yes, yes, yes. That was good. Um, sorry, my brain, I'm, I got static brain because I, I literally am putting, I was putting out fires before we started recording, but 
You're watching uh, Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're gonna we're on your favorite podcast, and we're on Facebook. Follow the links below. And uh, thanks for watching. Like the video if you haven't already, and make sure you give us a subscribe where relevant. See you next week, right. Brian. See ya.